Who are you? Identify yourself. What do you mean, who am I? Anybody can tell you that? I'm Brady Simmons, ID number 4-37. Who are you? This is Dr. Heilman, Brady. I'm afraid I can't let you out of there just yet. Not until you tell me how you got in there in the first place. I don't know how I got in here! All I know is I gotta get out! Why? Why do you have to get out? We're going to go for a joyride. You've just made a wrong turn heading south onto strange highways. Enter death's waiting room, if you dare. And welcome to Strange Highways. I am Paul. And hey, guys, I'm a tinfoil-covered camera. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Terry. Uh, I, I'm a uh, surprised Lynn Shea. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, welcome to Strange Highways. This is uh, a podcast in which we watch the Twilight Zone uh, sequentially. Um, thank you guys for joining us. I hope you enjoyed our conversation last week about uh, Season 1, Episode 2, Segment B, Dreams for Sale, the, the wonderful 10-minute uh, segment there. Uh, we're continuing on now uh, to the third segment of episode uh, two. Uh, but again, just reminding everybody, first time here, welcome. Uh, we've talked about the original 60 series. I, know, I feel like I say this every single time, and I'm sure when I go back and listen to this for like our season wrap-up, I'm be like, shut up, you keep saying it over and over again. But, you know, it's important to restate our mission statement, right? We love the Twilight Zone. We want to get all through it. Um, the good, the bad, and this whatever this is we're about to talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, go back. We have that. We have uh, two seasons of the Jordan Peele, uh, Paramount Plus, the Twilight Zone. We've covered a lot, and now we're into the 80s. And um, it's you know it's exciting because this I feel like there's a lot of this that's, I mean, not that this hasn't been known, right, but there's not as much conversation about this series. So a lot of this is like a lot of first-time watches for the both of us. And I think, um, I don't believe there's been as many conversations about these episodes than there has been about everything else i feel like we should start working in um the the killing joke song 80s uh into our uh intro music and that because maybe people would finally get it we're into the 80s now so yeah yeah. so uh yeah here we are this is uh it's an interesting episode uh twilight zone sure um 80s version there you go yeah (laughs) we're having fun Um, yeah (laughs) Uh, so yeah, this is uh, season one, episode two, uh, the third segment of season. Sorry, episode two. So uh, segment C, C is for Chameleon. The, the episode of segment's called Chameleon. Uh, the day and date we've already covered previously. Um, I think Commando is still the number one film. Yep. Um, that, that's implied like somehow since we're talking about this episode over three weeks, it's like like that Commando. <laughs> like whatever, it's it's in our hearts. We know that. Um, yeah. So like somehow Invasion USA came in with machine guns and took over. Could you imagine? Like, like that would have been an amazing drive-in double bill. Well, hell yeah. That would have been so much fun. Yeah. Right? yeah. Could you imagine going to your local, like, a dollar theater and catching both of these on a Saturday? Oh, that would have that been, been amazing. Yeah. So, anyway, we, we really like action movies. More about that later. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So, yeah, let's just get into who did what here. All right. So, uh, a director on this is... Uh, 
Wes Craven coming back for a third episode. And well, for, fourth, fourth segment of seven that he would direct. Yes. There we go. Yeah. So another segment, sorry. That's a better description of what he actually did for the series. Um, so if you don't know who Wes Craven is, uh, go back to the first discussion. The, the, the previous three times we talked yeah. about him. <laughs> um, but uh, next here we have, uh, as a writer, uh, uh, James Crocker. Uh, worked on episodes for this run uh, for another five episodes. And then um, he wrote a little piece in Quiet. Um, oh, no. The, and sorry. he was also one of the producers on the series, too. Um, so we've seen his work before. We're going to see a little bit more, but he is one of the producers of it. Right. Then and, uh, some uh, Star Trek Deep Space Nine. So, yeah. And then uh, into our cast we go. So uh, leading our cast is uh, Terry O'Quinn, uh, Dr. Kurt Lockridge. Lockridge, yeah. Uh, most people would know him from Lost. As, as as a Dr. Kurt Locke. No, he's just Locke from Lost. Very iconic character. Say what you want about the series. I love Locke as, as a character on Lost. Yeah, he has a lot of uh, big uh, credits to his I, career. I love Terry O'Quinn. I think yeah. Terry, like every, you, the only thing, you, all that can happen when you add Terry O'Quinn, something is you can make it better. Yeah. Like he was in Tombstone. I love Tombstone. It's an incredible mm-hmm. film. But the thing that I uh, was very familiar with of his is he was in Silver Bullet, which is one of my favorite Stephen King adaptations. That's such a weird movie. Like I it's love like it. I know it's it's like it's a great great story to a novella. Yeah, uh, it's it's a fun it's a fun movie. Uh, but yeah, we definitely have him. Uh, he is the father of one of the victims, right? He's asking. For he's justice. a sheriff. He, oh, he's a sheriff. Okay, yeah. that's right. Yeah. Uh, Private he, justice. Doesn't he get? Doesn't he get um, beat to death with uh, a baseball bat? He does uh, by, a, by a werewolf. A werewolf beats him to death with a baseball bat. Spoilers. Yep. Um, yeah, he was also in the Rocketeer, which is a film I need to revisit. Um, he played Howard uh, Howard Hughes in that. Um, he was in a couple episodes of the X Files. I remember that early season X Files. Uh, one of his uh, things people know him from genre wise is the the stepfather. He he was in those two films. Really, really good. Uh, um, Pretty method. Like, like those movies maybe aren't great, but he's really good at them. Like he's that guy that you're like, he is three seconds away from just snapping. Like he he seems like he's just one of those guys that gives you that like, I like this guy. I don't trust him. I'm sure Terry Terry Quinn's probably the nicest guys in the world, but he has shown that he has venom in him. You know, as a, as a performer. Um, and that's why I was really upset that he was in the first season of Castle Rock on Hulu. And then they, they they had him in like the first episode and a half, and then that was it. I'm like, you have Terry O'Quinn. Why can't you have him around for the rest of it? Because then I would have cared more about the series Castle Rock. And that was your first sin, Castle Rock, was getting rid of Terry O'Quinn early. And then your other sins were the rest of the series. <laughs> Good call. Uh, it's, well, uh, it was just frustrating. I mean, you watched the first season. Right? I, I like, did. Yeah. I watched it all the way up until the last episode of the <laughs> yeah. first season. Yeah. And, and some, that, isn't that frustrating to you to know that you have one to go and you were so disappointed that you didn't even finish it? Exactly. <laughs> I, was, I did. It doesn't get better. <laughs> I had very high hopes for it because I'm like, this is going to be the, the the whole universe of Stephen King coming together. We're going to see some crazy shit here. It was and it was going to be the sandbox, right? Of like, well, it's called Castle Rock. We're going. Everything's inspired by King, and it's like, okay, let's. That means what that means. I'm, I'm cutting off. I apologize. Is that you could take chances and kind of tell different stories, but try to keep like the spirit alive. And I was okay with that. But then it's like, and then they're just like, but you know what? But what if we just go and make it really shitty? And like, what if we set the stakes up so high or not even high, but like set the standards so high for the first half that we have no possible way of paying this off in any good way. And and it's like, Hey, you might know me also as American horror story. Like, 
you know, you, you might recognize Castle Rock from such shows as American Horror Story. That's how I felt about it. It was very frustrating. You mean children wearing masks? Just animal masks. Animal masks. Yeah, like, whatever. for no reason. It's so stupid. <laughs> what, what is it about, like, um, the, like the, 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 the late aughts and then the 2020s where it's like, you know what would be creepy? Kids wearing paper mache animal masks and having slowed down like versions of songs that we know, but we make them sound like, you know, uh, acoustic, whatever, you know, like I can, what is this? I'm tired. Of I can honestly think of only one movie or storyline that did it well. And that was this movie called, uh, Oh geez. <laughs> I can't remember it right now. Um, but it was a movie from the seventies and it was like a very weird genre film. Uh, oh, well, it's, it's, um, the wicker man had people in animal masks there. That was, um, that worked cause it was kind of te- dealing with that, but okay. I, I'm, that's not the one you're thinking of. But no, I, it's yeah. not. I, I, I'm okay with Wicker Man. It's it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> the hot take is I'm okay it, with it, that movie. Uh, yes, I, I think it's perfectly okay. I it's liked okay. it, but yeah. yeah. I, anyways, yeah, it's. I don't want to go off yeah. on a tangent here. It's. I don't know why the animal mask became a thing. Like you're next. They did it in that, and I was like, uh. and then you know they did it in the remake of Pet Cemetery. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah, that had nothing. Like as, as much no as context. I think, as much as I think that movie actually has some merits to it, that doesn't make any sense I at all. With that, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, and then like I don't know. Like it's just I get it. Like it, I guess it's kind of calling back to the like when we see like the photos of like Halloween and like you know starting to kind of come together in like America and like the 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 forties or. 50s or whatever like you get the weird masks and things like there's that call back there but it's like yeah but now we have better halloween outfits we don't have to have weird paper mache animal faces you know like just, yeah anyway that's not this episode that we're talking about but now you guys know you can mark it you have now have gotten our opinions about kids and animal masks for no apparent reason don't do it it's stupid yeah, and uh, now that we've said it, now you're going to go through the whole catalog of your brain of all the things if you watch, and you're like, yeah, it's in that too, and it's in that too, and you're like, but it doesn't make any sense either. Yeah, they have a good point. Um, it's like it's almost like why, like why the masks and the purge or the others? It's like, yeah, you know, whatever. It's just yeah. whatever. Anyway, so and then yeah, and Terry O'Quinn, we love him. Yeah, let's just put that. So way. next uh, here we have uh, Ben Piana uh, P- Piazzara, I think his name is Ben uh, P- Piazzara. Piazza. Piazza. It's P-I-A-Z-Z-A. I want to say Ben Pizza. That's not fair. I think it's Ben uh, Piazza as Dr. Von Heilman. Heilman. Okay. Uh, Weird names. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just... Yeah, you're right. Why did I put two N's instead of two Z's? You're like, listen, I can't say this anyway. I might as well make it harder on myself. Why did I do that? Oh, that's weird. Anyways, you know... um, He was in Bad News Bears. Um, He was in the movie uh, Mask with... uh, uh, Share. Have you ever seen that? And Eric Stoltz. Yeah, yeah. I um, love that movie. It's so talk, about, talk about a kid in a mask. That no, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's a good movie. It's, I, it's I, an incredible yeah, film. Yeah. I love that. It's a one that I've always enjoyed. Since All I, I remember was a kid. is him trying to show her his uh, blind friend like, colors by using like different temperatures. Hot and rock. Have, yeah, and hold then, her, like this is pink or whatever. Like handing her things and like yeah. that was fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then uh, some some episodes of Dallas. So one of his biggest things was he was in the Blues Brothers, where there's that bit. I don't know. Have you have you seen the Blues Brothers? A half of it. it, it like, it's been a while, right? But there's a bit where um, the, they're in the restaurant and uh, um, John Belushi's like he's like. He's like he's talking to one guy. He's like, "I will buy your daughter," or whatever he says to him, because he's like trying to like cause a ruckus in the restaurant because they're talking to the one dude to get back in the band. He's like, so he's like trying to tell this guy, like, "I'll buy your like your your daughter," and that's the and that's the the guy he's talking to is this gentleman here. So that's that's a funny bit in that movie. 
And uh, so next here we have uh, John Aston. Uh, John Aston, I was uh, familiar with right off the bat because he was taggered from uh, Beverly Hills Co- uh, Beverly Hills Cop One and Two. You want to hear an admission? Never seen him, huh? <laughs> I've not seen Beverly Hills Cop One or Two, but I did see three at a drive-in. <laughs> The worst of the three. Oh I didn't God. know. I was going with my uncle. We went to. It was that. And it was the remake of the Getaway with uh, 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 Alec Baldwin and um, Kim Basinger at the time. And like, I, all I remember was like, I get to go to the drive-in. I was excited. You know, it's a different time, Terry. So uh, John Aston plays uh, crew chief Brandy Simmons or Brady, Brady Simmons. Simmons. Brady yeah. Simmons. Oh, yeah. Sorry about that. But yeah, a very familiar face to me. Uh, he was in also. I don't know if you've ever seen this as a John Hughes film, uh, Some Kind of Wonderful. I maybe, um, but it was also a Midnight Run, which is one I need to see. I've heard good things about. And like, uh, the Tommy Knockers miniseries. Oh, there we go. I didn't even realize that. Okay. I, again, another another uh, work that I will I will go to bat for. Other people will not not the miniseries, but the book. I will I will go to bat for the book. And uh, as Paul has talked about in the past, I am a huge fan of uh, uh, Law and Order SVU. Yep. I just <laughs> I was still catching. I've been catching up lately on older seasons. He was just recently in the episode that I watched from season 10 last night. And I was like, ah, look, John Aston. Look, look, look at that guy. Look <laughs> at that guy. Dude. Look at that guy. He's going to be uh, he's going to be a camera later. It's yeah. going to be great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. That's all I had. For, I'm, I'm glad I put down anytime there's law and order now. I want to make sure I note it because I, I need to understand that Terry has a need. I have to do that. I, I love it. I love SVU. Is so incredible. I love it too. Like we've talked about that, but it's like this. I mean, at this point, I feel like this is one of those things where when we were doing our, our original series Twilight Zone notes, it's like you'd always find like every Western that's meaning like that's like what was Bonanza in production. And yeah. yeah, like in Gunsmoke Guns. and all that. You'd find every single person worked in those in some fashion. Now because it's all that crime was, shows. Yeah, that's because the, the, the you know it was it, things changed. So yeah. uh, like Law and Order was that thing that you showed up in. Like I'm pretty sure you and I are in episodes of Law and Order and don't even remember. Like uh, there's probably bits that we're probably dead bodies somewhere. I don't even know. Yeah, but, I was know. homeless guy number fifteen. <laughs> um, and, uh, so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, next here we have uh, Steve Bassett. Uh, plays uh, Gerald Tyson. Uh, he was in The Jackal, which is an incredible film. Is that the one with um, oh Richard Gere? Yes. I've not seen that. Yeah, Richard Gere uh-huh. and, um, my God, we just talked about him, uh, Bruce Willis. Oh, okay. There you go. I never heard of him. I'm kidding. I know. And uh, I'm not going to say anything. No spoilers here. One of... Uh, uh, What's his face? Uh, Jack Black's best roles. Oh, but just funny because you. Okay, you don't like Jack Black, but no. now, but now that I know that you said that, I assume he gets killed violently in this movie. Please watch the film. <laughs> <laughs> please, please watch the film. <laughs> Great action film. Oh. I mean, just like if you want to turn your brain off and just enjoy like some weird action film from the. Well, I think this is the early two thousands. It's just it's bonkers, and uh, lots of uh, as the world turns, lots of yeah. That that seems to be his uh, his bread and butter. Yeah. Is, uh, is that the world? Like, good seventy six episodes. You know, if you if you can do it, that's um you know, you do it. Like that's it's a paycheck, right? So yeah, um, I couldn't do it. I I mean just talk, uh, just hearing interviews with people that have acted in um, different soap operas, it is a struggle, man. Like you have to learn the script very quickly to be on set and like recite that it's it's but barbara crampton has been in a lot of different uh soap operas and she's just like she is on point all the time like she talks about how it's such a mess but for you know like 
production in that mm. and how you have to learn quickly all your lines. And it's I there's no way I could have no. I, like I, I do give credit like as much as like I mean I know soap soap operas have fallen to the wayside just because of the way things work now with like the internet and daytime television. But again, if you if you if you've proven that you could hang with that kind of like immediate turnaround because soap operas rarely had, like they would have some time off, but they like, um, what's the equivalent of this? Like, um, you know, like I, 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 I'm a fan. I do pay attention to the like professional wrestling and it's like, and those, most of those shows, they run 52 weeks a year, which that's, that's one show a week or multiple, like, you know, or two or three shows a week and some this, house this, shows and stuff yeah, like, like that. that. But it's like, this was like five days a week. And like script changes could happen on the fly. Like you, 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 I get it. Like that's, you know, I respect that as much as I, you know, some of the, like the storytelling, a lot of it was, is probably very glacially paced because they want you to tune in the next day. Um, which is like, that kind of has, it harkens back to like the radio uh, dramas, right. And everything. And I like the, the telenovelas and stuff, but again, credit to like, if you could do it, do it. Um, but I couldn't, and if you could get paid for it, hell yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for a long-term yeah. actor or actress that can get into that gig. Absolutely. Good on you, yeah. man. So that's, that's our key to success this week. This is our strange highways pro tip. I uh, get involved with a soap opera. <laughs> it, like there's like three of them out there still. So go, go get cast. It's fine. It's a living. It's a living. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so like next year we have Lona Morris. I think it's Iona. Iona? Morris. Yeah. It's an, I, Oh, yeah. that's an I. Okay. Yeah. As Annie, I thought maybe I didn't capitalize my L. All right, so whatever. Um, Annie, yeah, she plays Annie. So she's from Columbus. Oh, the I did, pride I, of Columbus. Yeah, I see that she's done a lot of voice work, a lot of animated work, lots she, of it. Yeah, she, she was in, in uh, did voices for Robotech. Yeah, uh, as she she did the voice of Storm in some ep- episodes. Of yeah, the she X-Men. wasn't. There, I guess Storm Tom. was played by multiple characters in the '90s X Men, but she was a Storm, and that's awesome. Yeah, and then also uh, did the voice of Storm in some Spider Man the animated series. Uh, nice. So, and then next here we have Alma Martinez. Uh, Teresa Roez, uh, she plays in this episode. Uh, she was in a, she's in a great comedy called Born in East LA. Have you ever seen this? Oh, that's with Cheech Marin. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love that movie. <laughs> I, I remember so liking funny. it growing up. I've not seen it forever, but I remember enjoying <laughs> it's it. It's so yeah. funny. Yeah. Uh, check it out. I'm not going to go on this tangent about that movie, but it's great. I, just, I remember the song, which yeah. is a very much a take on Born, um, you know, Born in the USA. Right. <laughs> like, uh, and then. Uh, yeah. Uh, did a very small bit role in uh, Batman versus Superman: Dawn of Justice, and she was in the, the AMC series The Terror, which I've not seen any of, and I've heard good things about because they, like uh, the first season was based upon the book The Terror um, that was um, oh I forget the guy Dan Simmons I think wrote the book, and then what they, they were trying to do, and I think I think they're still doing it, is that since AMC. Um, like they're trying to find like a, like a different way in with some of the horror. Or was this a history? Like, I think it was AMC with the terror, but the second season dealt with um, this ghost story, but it was also parallel to the Japanese internment camps oh. uh, that we that we as you know the U.S. did to our own citizens during World War II. Um, and so was it the history? AM, AMC. Okay, AMC. So yeah, so that's cool. Like so, she's still working. Uh, and I've heard I've heard good things about the terror, and I just I I've heard the original book is quite great, but I like the idea of like an anthology series, where again we just we just talked about um you know American Horror Story and Castle Rock, but you know cool like if you're going to change the if you're always going to give me a historical setting and be like the, there's a reality to what happened, but we're going to make weird shit happen as well. I'm I'm kind of in for that. Yeah, may as well check it out. Yeah. You know? Um, so, and the next here of uh, Chad Hayes uh, plays Peter Ivers uh, Iverson. Uh, he was in one of your favorite uh, yes. 80s. Can, can uh, I, like, 
This was my. This Please. is the, this is when my mind blew apart. My, this my dude wants to watch this movie with me. I have never seen this. Oh, Please, sir, go so, ahead. So, uh, Chad Hayes, uh, he is one half. Uh, it's him and his brother, which I forgot to write down his brother's name, but they're twins, um, identical twins. They uh, played uh, twin um, BMX professional uh, racers in a movie called Rad. Uh, he was uh, Rex Reynolds uh, of, of the two, and they were kind of like the lackeys to the main bad guy biker, like the BMXer. Carrie. Yeah. Carrie Hayes. Yeah. Um, That's his twin brother. Yeah, okay. So anyway, so Rad, I love Rad. Rad is, um, it's like, you know, you have all these 80s um, movies where you have the underdog overcoming the odds at a sporting event. This is just BMX racing. And you, <laughs> this movie... Uh, it's just fun and it's like competently made and it's way better than like it like it it's one of those things where you're watching you're like okay well, this is actually pretty cool I'm like yeah it's a lot of fun like I love rad but that's like that's one of my favorite films I'm gonna make Terry watch it here in a week and a half because I gotta watch rad at least once a year it's yeah. amazing but um he wrote the conjuring he wrote it he wrote yeah so like he was like involved with uh creating what we now have the Warrens and all yeah. like he yeah, took the, this, the, the story of the Warrens and then like and turned it into the conjuring. So no it's kidding. like not only, so he did a better job of what their real life events. Yeah. I mean, are. yeah, he makes them look like they're heroic and good people and that's not true. But I just saw this. I was like, there's a rag connection and he actually like went on to contribute to like some, like to a franchise more people are aware of now, if only you could combine the two and have haunted BMX racing, that is not a thing that should happen. But um, anyway, which was funny because the next person we're going to talk about is Lynn Shay, who is in the Insidious uh, franchise, which is from the same people that did The Conjuring, or at least the same like um, production company. Yeah, yeah, and I yeah. think it's the same director, right? Because um, I think the first because Insidious was, um, is uh, produced by uh, oh my god, what the hell is his name? Um, is guy, it Blumhouse? Bl- yeah, Blumhouse, and uh, uh, he. I, I'm not going to even go into that right now. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, th- there's there's bigger things afoot here in terms of like all oh, connections. So, yeah. but yeah. Anyway, so yeah. Uh, uh, but Lynn Shea, which uh, she plays Kate Simmons here for a second, uh, very recognizable character actor. I, I again, anytime she's in something, I'm happy. I because I she's always game for everything they give her. Um, she's in the Insidious films. I've not seen those. I know I've heard good things about them. Um, I've watched the first one and James Wan. James, James Wan, Wan is the director um, who. He, he did both of those, right? He directed Insidious and The Conjuring. Okay, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, he's like he's like knee deep in all of that stuff, especially like Blumhouse co- uh, connections and stuff like that. Okay. Like, um, uh, but yeah, Lynn Shay, uh, she was also in Critters, the first and the second one. Yes. One of my favorite roles of hers, it, because like you said, she's like, she is game for almost anything. She was in Kingpin as the, <laughs> <laughs> as the landlady. Oh my God, oh, dude. Yeah, that, yeah. that role. She, I listened to an interview with her um, on a different podcast, and she talks about how she went in for the casting call for that, and they turned her away at first, and she went back, and she had like greased up her hair, and she, <laughs> people called the police on her essentially <laughs> because they thought she was like a homeless lady that just kind of worked her way into the stu- like wherever they were That's doing funny. the casting call, and you're like, no, 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 I'm here for the casting. That's <laughs> funny. Yeah, because she she is gross in that film, but funny. Uh, she ends up having a, a, a decent. Um, she was in some of the other Ferrelli brothers movies. Yeah, she was in, there's something about Mary. She had a good role there. Yeah, uh, she was in New Nightmare, which I need to go. I've seen that somewhat recently, but I need to go back. She's and watch a it again. nurse in that. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, and she's in a film that I like a lot and you got to go in with some lowered expectations because the budget isn't there, but the story and the, like the actors are there. It's a film called big ass spider, which is exactly what it is. Don't roll your eyes if you want, Terry, but it's like, <laughs> it's actually one of those films. It's like, it's on the nose, but they kind of know what they're doing with it. You know what I mean? Like they're writing like, Oh, it's a big ass spider attacking a town. Um, uh, you got, Oh, I forget the rest of the cast in that, but she's in that. Um, it, there's, there's fun to be had in that movie. Cause it doesn't take itself too seriously, but it also knows the genre it's working in. So it's one of those few, like one of those few times for me where it's like, like we're in on the joke, but we're still having fun type of th- where that doesn't usually work for me, you know, but Big ass spider as well as ones. I'm like, okay, fine. The title is dumb enough. Let's see what's going on. I, because I was expecting complete garbage. I came out of it enjoying it a great deal. I'm glad to like in her interview, she just seems like a passionate actor and she does not like steer away from anything, but somehow she's being typecasted into this like genre actress now. And like, Oh, you know, like people are talking about like, Oh, you know, horror, uh, icon now Lynn Shea. It's like, Okay, she's still doing a lot of other stuff yeah, too. Well, her so. brother was one of the like the main guys in New Line Cinema at the time, so it Correct. probably didn't help. It didn't hurt to have uh, have some friends and places, you know. Like, yeah, but, she, but again, she's earned her keep. I'm it, not like, yeah. It, 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 she she was kind of she's bummed about it, but at the same point, she's like, well, it, it did help my career. But like, she did get a lot of casting calls because her brother helped her. So yeah. good on her. I mean, she made a career out of it, and now she again, like some people say, she's a horror icon. So. Yeah. So I'm just gonna, again, I'm just mention Big Ass Spider has Greg Grunberg in it, which if you if you know who he is, you see him. He's another character actor we all know. Ray Wise, who I adore, is in that as well. It's a, it's a lot of fun. But yeah, we we love Lynn Shay. Yeah, she's cool. I I was really excited to see her in this. And then I I don't know if you had anybody else. The only other person I had was Dan uh, Gilvizian, uh, who was one of the Columbia operators, meaning a voice that you heard. Uh, we talked about him. He was the bartender from Saturday who we found out that he had a big career doing voice work. Ah, yes. Yeah, yeah that's right. So there we go. Um, yeah, that's our cast and crew. Uh, we have no um, like intro narration for this. Uh, we have, There's narration at the end, and we'll talk about that. It's like I feel like that was one of the things of like, we got to tie this up somehow. Whatever, anyway. Um, yeah, let's just get into Chameleon. Um, yeah, this thing, um, it starts off with um, like two to three minutes of footage from like NASA and some space missions, mm-hmm. which I it, now watching it a second time feel, feels like filler to me, which I didn't like that. But I also got to put myself back in the place of 1985 where the space shuttle, space shuttle missions are really cool and getting actual footage of spacewalks and people working and seeing that, like that still had to be really fresh. Cause I think we talked like last episode of the one before that one of the big shuttles did its initial launch during the, the actual air date of this episode or around it. Right. So like, I, you know, I remember as a kid, the space shuttles were cool. So like, if you got footage from NASA, why wouldn't you use it? Um, it's just, you know, I don't know how well it serves the episode. Yeah. It, so one of the notes here I'll bring up right, right off the bat is, um, it features NASA footage of actual space shuttle mission of the challenger, which exploded <laughs> shortly after takeoff. So I'm like, it, did they only catch like the little bit and then, you know, obviously cut out that? And it's like, that seems no, 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 really. No, 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 the Challenger did other missions before this, the one that exploded. Okay. Because, like you were um, talking about uh, yeah, it, in a more recent discussion that they just, they use these ships over and over again. So, yeah, no, mo- most of the, most of the shuttles, um, they're like, uh, obviously Challenger did explode on, uh, when it was doing a takeoff. Um, and then there was another one that, 
um, just, just fell apart on reentry. And this was like later in the 2000s, whenever that happened. I was living in Cleveland at the time when that occurred. So it was like 2000, 2001. Um, but these were used like, you know, most of the shuttles were used multiple, multiple times. The Discovery was used multiple times. Um, so you don't remember the Challenger disaster when it occurred? Because I know, like, I, I, I mean, this, what was that, 85 then? Or uh, maybe, I'll have to look it up. But, like, I, I, know, I know you're a little bit We just had, the, uh, uh, um, you know, we try to keep ourselves timeless here, but that we just had the anniversary of it, so. Yeah, that was January 28th, uh, 1986. So this would actually be a year... Uh, it, it, what we saw was footage from the Challenger that this this episode like was filmed in '85. That was footage from a previous mission. The Challenger would Makes unfortunately <laughs> explode okay. up, like um, during launch later. Sometimes I learn as I go. So, but no, I was yeah. three years old when that happened. Oh, so I um, yeah, I was in like second grade at the time, and um, I just remember um, <laughs> the only thing I remember about that is. Uh, this is not a funny story is that my brother who was in kindergarten, they let them go home early so they could all watch it. And so my mom turned on the TV so my brother could watch it. And it's like, what kind of day was that? Like I was at school when it occurred. So everything just got real quiet because they had no idea what to do. Rightfully so. Yeah. But it's like, my mom's like, I'm going to pick up my, my kid. And we're going to watch this. And like, Oh, well he's done for life. You know, like, what you no, know? well, that was like nine 11 for me. I was in high school and we were watching the events unfold on yeah. TV. So yeah, it's just one of those things. It's just like, no one can control it. And it's just, whew. but anyway, yeah. I didn't realize that was the challenger that was in the footage. Yeah. The, that's um, the note I found. Yeah. I mean, well, now, I mean, now I'm going to play. Now I'm going to blame that goddamn alien in this episode. I'm kidding. That's not that's not funny or fair, but I just said it, so we'll move on. Anyway, uh, yeah, so we got footage. We got voiceovers. The big thing that we learned from this is that one of the people out there uh, out doing one of the, the, um, the spacewalks saw a blue flash that was near a camera, right? And they're like, well, it was weird. I don't know. And then the, the shuttle lands, and we get this this matte shot that I do not think is held up very well at all of the space shuttle in the hangar. Did you notice that that shot? It like it again. Eighty five. Did what you can. Not great. And then you have the two te- technicians going in. Right. We have a uh, Brady and um, Tyson going in to look at the camera. Yeah. And so Tyson's a real uh, chatty Kathy, and uh, he's talking about how he caught something on TV last night. And why didn't Simmons check it out? It sounds like he was talking about the Twilight Zone, which was kind of fun. That, but it also like so it, when uh, Simmons turns back to him. And just like gives him this this stare down, he does the Klaatu Verata Nikto mm-hmm. thing from the day the Earth stood still. I'm like, you're talking about two different things. So I almost feel like he's doing Invasion of the Body Snatchers. He's I think because he, he's like, yeah, oh, every time it's on TV, I catch it, and they're all over the place. I'm like, so it's probably Invasion of the Body Snatchers, and then he does that line. I'm like, you're. Do it. You're crossing your wires, dude. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the idea that he's discussing like a sci-fi thing as they're getting into a space shuttle to look at a camera. Yeah. So, but also Tyson, that actor, I which I thought I would like. He seemed like very recognizable. Like, like just he has a charisma about him, and he kind of fades away after the scene. Like he's in the rest of the episode, but his role is to be the witness to what happens, right? But the, he has a couple choice lines. At one point, he's talking about the camera, how it was not functioning correctly. They just shut it down. He's like, well, maybe it's on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was a funny line. Yeah. And then Simmons is like, you're on drugs. drugs. Like, yeah. Um, like, I, I don't like the banter between them. It's not, it's not scripted well, and it just seems kind of disjointed, but whatever. And Simmons, of course, is just like, he seems like a business guy. He wants to get it done. Uh, and, you know, Tyson is the young dude that just wants to talk either way. 
Um, Simmons takes the camera and he says, "Hey, fill out the paperwork. I'm going to take this down. We'll get it, we'll get the work done on it." Yeah. And as he's, <laughs> this is such so, such a weird scene as well. <laughs> yep. So as he comes over the stair the staircase that he's about to go up, he just for some reason turns around, is silent, looks to Tyson. And then this weird blue light comes up, and then he disappears. And because <laughs> he's holding this camera, which is wrapped in gold foil, which I'm going to guess is like gold leaf, because there's a lot of reasons for NASA to have a lot of gold plating and things—not plating, but leafing for like devices, right? That's all. That all kind of makes sense to me, right? But he t- he's holding this camera, which is like the size of like I don't know, like two shoeboxes back to back. Like it's like it's a decent like sized thing, right? Yeah. And he just turns and looks at Tyson, and it was like boop. And then, like, he's just gone, and the camera falls to, like, the, the base of the, the space shuttle. And then Tyson, rightfully so, goes to call for, like, backup, like, for emergency. Like, I need help. But he can't explain why, which credit to that actor plays it pretty well. Of, like, I have no idea what to tell anybody about yeah, this. Yeah, and he does a code F. Like, yeah. for This is all F'd. That's why. Yeah. yeah. We're effed. Yeah. But it's just like it's like what do you what do you tell somebody? It's like yeah, there was this uh, my surly coworker um, turned and looked at me holding up this camera, and then a blue light happened, and then he disappeared. I'm like, yeah, that that's all above board, and everybody will believe you, right? So that's when we get um, the camera being brought into an observation room uh, via robot. Um, oh wait, wait a second, uh, it is via a robot. So it's, it, they bring it in, they set it down. Uh, and I didn't know NASA had these rooms because that means they're that means they're expecting something to come back. <laughs> Did you notice that? It's like it's like oh these you got like were you expecting to find an ET out there? NASA, what are you not telling us? You know, like I mean perhaps, but yeah. at the same point, it's like there is stuff in that room too. So I'm like I don't know. Yeah, they're giving a, a lot of freedom to whatever they put in that room as well. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll talk about that yeah. in a second. But so they put this camera in there. And, of course, all the, the scientists and doctors or whoever, the muckety-mucks, are in the, uh, the observation room to look at whatever the camera is going to be doing. They're like, well, why do we have this in there? Well, we got to wait for uh, the other doctor. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. Heilman's arriving. Lockridge, who is Terry O'Quinn's character, is already there. Um, they don't really believe Tyson at all. But he's there, kind of like being like, I and don't know. kind of making a mockery of him, just like, like, just staring at him, like, are like, you for real, dude? Like, like they're listening to him, but they're like, what you're saying doesn't make any sense, and we're all scientists, and we know better, you know. Yeah. And he's like, well, all right, okay, fine. like logic, hmm. yeah. But uh, <laughs> so they keep on looking into the room and blah 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 and talking amongst themselves, but then they do a preliminary test without uh, the other doctor being there. And they're like, well, it's a camera, so I don't know what the hell we're doing here. And they're like, well, you know, Dr. Hellman's going to be pissed off because we just have this camera sitting in in this uh, isolation chamber. It's like, and then all of a sudden, there's a bright blue light. And Simmons appears again. (laughs) And the camera's gone. Like, it's like, okay, whatever. Like. Sure. He's done. It's so, it's yeah. so weird. I don't know. But, um, so they start like, so everybody there that's watching this, they're like, okay, Tyson, you might have a point. <laughs> like, we owe you a Coke or whatever they say <laughs> have, you know? Like, and they start questioning Brady. He's like, how did I get here? What's going on? Like, you know, he's like, you know, getting kind of agitated. And then, and then that's when uh, Heilman comes in and he was like, since he didn't, he's also like the third person to be like, I didn't see this shit. You guys are talking crazy. <laughs> 
like I like how like Lockridge is suddenly like on board. He's like, this is all messed up. And now we I, have five people that are yeah, crazy in it, this room. And the, the, the Heilman's like, ah, just you guys. What like why is he in there? Like we didn't put him there. And that's why one of the other people are like, oh, that camera's gone. So that you know that's interesting. And then um, they're trying to like question him. And there's the bit of like um like you know um like. Like, why, like, why do you want out? Why do you need out? Because uh, Brady is like, you know, getting agitated. And that, that's a good, that's a good moment. I played at the beginning though. It's like, but why do you want out? Like, I mean, the real answer is I'm in a room. I don't know where I'm at. Can I please leave? You know, that's the first thing. Like, you know, I was just at a space shuttle in 1985 and I was touching some gold shoe boxes and now I'm in this room. I have a lot of questions of my own. Like, you know, yeah, I'd want, I would not want to be in there either. Well, you know, and honestly, NASA would especially tell you, like, you're going to be touching space shit. You, yeah. you might have to go into an isolation chamber every now and then. I yeah. mean, this is kind of what, the like, NASA does. Because who knows? You know, space viruses. And, you know, I've seen the blob. You never know what could happen. No, there was a very real fear that once we started getting into the further, like, further out in the atmosphere, like, into actual space, that there might be something out there that we can't account for that we can't have them bring back. Like, there was, because no one knew. Right. right? Like, and that's It's the right way to treat that. Yeah, right. Um, space so, germs. Yeah, so then as they start questioning Brady, uh, he needs to get out, then, like, you know, and asked why, and then suddenly again... You know, like I keep doing that noise because it's literally what happens pretty much every single time he suddenly changes into Lynn Shay. Like, and it's like one of the most random things I think I've ever seen in a TV episode of anything. Like, I don't understand like what, what happened? And that may or may not be a gift that you guys might find later in the week after we post the episode. Mm. I might've made a, might've made a gift of uh, Lynn Shay suddenly appearing out of a, like, it was like, it was like the shittiest quantum leap effect. Like, you know, like, <laughs> Like, oh boy, you know, whatever. And they even reviewed it on the tape, too. So that's another thing we missed is um, they they show it to uh, Dr. Hellman, like, watch this video. Like, you think we're nuts, but we caught this on tape. And it it shows the camera sitting there, and all of a sudden, blue light, and there's Simmons. It's like, and it's like, you can't, you can't dispute that. Like, so now Hellman's like, all right, now I'm intrigued. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, well, now there's also a lady here. Like, what's going on? And so one of the things that they do that they're, they're, they do a, a smart thing and then a really dumb thing. Um, one, when they start like saying, Hey, where, where is, where's Brady at? And she's like, let's let him out. He's okay. And then they start pressing, pressing her. But one of like, like Tyson's in there. He's like, well, that's his wife. And they're like, we'll call home to see if she actually picks up the phone because then we'll know that what's going on is not her, which I mean, anybody in that room would have been like, yeah, I don't know what's going on, but I don't trust this, you know, but at one point, the lady that's interrogating um, um, Kate, she, she asked Tyson, like, what's her name? It's like, it's Kate. The smart thing would have been to call her a different name. Right. To see if she, like, Like, you know, call her Susan. Or and to see if she please responds. tell me who you are? Because the whole thing is they're trying to determine if, like, if this is actually who they are, right? So, like, you want to do, like, the fake out to see if they respond to be like, oh, they can mimic something, but they may not know everything. Uh, which we get, it's implied here that whatever's going on here, that this thing have, has, has absorbed memories and like ideas or whatever and the abilities. Um, it's never quite clear. And I, that's fine too. It's like a 20 minute segment. So you don't have to give me all the ins and outs. I get it. Yeah. We can hand wave um, some of this yeah, stuff. Yeah. Not all of it though. But um, yeah, she's like, so they're asking like, well, where, where's Brady? And she's like, and eventually you didn't credit to Lynn Shea. The way she sells this is actually quite great. She's like, I, I don't know. And cause she's trying to convince them to let him out. He's not in the room with her. 
Like that's, you know, it's an interesting kind of plea. And then immediately like, boop, he's back. <laughs> and that's, that's it. Like, and then at this point he's angry and starts going, he's like, you know what guys, I don't like being in here. Oh, look at this beaker. It'd be so terrible if it fell to the ground right now. And it's like, they're like, Oh shit, he's breaking science classes. We got to take him seriously. It's like, Oh, he's breaking all the science in there. Now, now we know this is a threat. I'm like, come on. Our science teacher is going to be so bad yeah, at us. Like, look at all these beakers. It'd be so, ter-. it's just like, it was just funny how it's like, they're like, oh, he's a threat. They're like, gas him. I'm like, so these rooms have access to gas. Okay. They knock him out. Right. Again, that that shows you that whatever the threat could be in that room, they're like, we have the ability to gas it. But you know what? Let's put glass in there. Yeah. So, like, what if there was just some dude that was in the observation room that one day just doing science work and, and someone walked on? It's like, you know, it'd be funny. Boop. And just knock him on his ass. <laughs> We're going to gas, gas Jim. Watch this. He's yeah, not going to remember yeah. anything. This is like, so guys, funny. Guys, come on. Come on. I was late to my kid's birthday. Like, okay, more gas. You know, I'm getting whatever. really tired of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I just, I feel like there would be some, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of pranks going on if I, if he had access to a knockout gas room, you know? Right. Um, so anyway, um, uh, um, Heilman goes in to um, he has a mask on and it's like you see the severity of the situation like he he's taking this seriously and it's it's a cool kind of look with him with his like lab coat on and everything and he has like this toolbox for science stuff and he goes to take take the like you know to see if um, if Brady has a pulse and he's like oh he's knocked out or whatever and it's like I thought he was going to take a blood sample that's what I thought he was yeah, going to do at this point he's a specimen so. yeah and so they're like well we're going to give him a sedative here or whatever and that's when Brady gets back up and then um, he just uh, you know just absorbs Dude, Heilman he, he, as soon as he did that I was thinking of the scene with uh, um, oh my god uh, in the thing at the towards the end of the oh, movie yeah whatever we have um, freaking um Wilford Brimley, yeah, Blake. go up against. Uh, oh, Blake yeah, gets up and then he does the he thing. Just, oh. He just shoves his hand into the face of. Um, oh shit, I forget the other guy's name. He just shoves his hand into his face, and it's like, dude, yeah, I was expecting that too. That would have been pretty Did, great. So it was like really creepy. I was like, whoa. And yeah. the music cues are actually pretty good in this too. Yeah, I'm not like, bad. It's not bad, right? So then he just absorbs them, like, and then they're both gone, and then it becomes like this atomic bomb. Uh, like in this observation room, right? It's a very intimidating looking device. Mm. And that's when Lockridge is like, oh shit, Heilman had all the knowledge because he was a weapons development and he's like, he could have easily made this. So basically you're implying that whatever this is can take the the essence and the knowledge of what it absorbed before and and because somehow materials, the way it can kind of shift around or whatever, they refer to it as a chameleon. I don't think that's an accurate statement, whatever. Uh, but you get the idea that this thing can assume different forms. And then we get the one chick doing her best John Madden here of giving the play by pay. I'm like, you guys got two minutes. There's a clock on it yeah. and it looks like it's going down in time. Like, come on, dude. Like that, that's get- a trope though. Like, um, <laughs> just, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta announce the time. Right. And then, um, have you ever, have you ever seen a uh, galaxy quest? Yes. I love it. Like, yeah, like <laughs> that's when we get to, um, Oh shit. What's her name? Um, uh, so Gordon, so we, the, her whole thing is just to announce what the ship's doing already. Like mm-hmm. that was the whole, that was the whole trope is that her character didn't do anything, but just repeat what the computer says. Yeah. That's the, this is that trope, right? Like, and I felt bad for her cause I'm like, that's a thankless job. But I also, they could, <laughs> to this big like big conversation like Lockridge is like oh well he would have known this and everything and everyone's like well what are you going to do we have like two minutes he's like well I'm going to go in there they're like 
no, don't do it. He's like, well, someone has to fair play to him. But then he goes in and like, nobody's running away. Right. Like, like I understand this thing. Like if it detonates, you're probably done. That doesn't, I don't, I don't think that would still keep people from trying to get out. We still, we only need one guy to fall on a grenade. Really? That's it. If, if, uh, Terry O'Quinn's character, uh, uh, Lock, uh, Lockridge is going to go in there. Dr. Lockridge is going to be the one that figures it out. All these other four or five people in here, I would have do beat feet. Like yeah, I would have been out of it. We there. find out like, cause especially late, like, like the second, whenever the, like the, the, um, the room isn't that far away from the hangar evidently. So like you could have maybe made a top side and like played the odds. Right. Cause I mean, you know, you, your chance of survival is slightly better being away from the thing than staring at it. I've but, seen plenty of movies where they've done this, where they've gotten I mean, away from the yeah, explosion. Sure. Right. And as long as you look cool and it's, and the explosion will not hurt you, but it will launch you away and you can like, you know, whatever, you know, bad boy style away from it. it's fine. But anyway, so he goes in and it, this gets weird because we have Terry Quinn giving a very good performance, trying to reason with the bomb. Like, and to know that there's an inanimate object that's ticking down and he's like, Hey, you know, they try to explain this thing. Like we didn't, we don't know who, what you are. Don't be angry at us because we're trying to understand. He's basically like, yeah, we do have this need to control, but we weren't trying to do harm. And then he was like, also like, Oh, no matter what, you're going to survive this. Aren't you? Cause he like, what, what this thing is, is unknowable, but if it's actively chosen to become a bomb, it, it knows that it's not going to sacrifice itself, but it knows enough to force them to make the decision to release it in which they, they, they acquiesce. They're like, you can leave. Right. So that's okay. And it's good bluffing if it doesn't, if it isn't a bomb yeah. too. So it's like, they know that this could be an eminent danger right now. They can, this is, you see the writing on the wall. This is a bomb. If Simmons is in there and he just wants to get out, then it's obvious that this guy, whatever this creature is, can't escape the room without the the uh, the help of somebody outside of the room. So it's just like, all right, yeah, I'm just, just going to use scare tactics. It just then. feels weird to me. It's like if you could become a bomb, why couldn't you become like you know, I don't know, a pneumatic drill that can get through the door and get out? T one thousand. Maybe it doesn't like, know that yet. I don't know, but like it didn't it didn't absorb James Cameron. You know, whatever. So anyway, the bomb hit zero. Uh, Terry Quinn closes his eyes, and it's like there's this blue flash. And it becomes a Heilman again. And that talking about the thing, there's something very alien about the way the actor carries himself, the way his hands are and the way he yeah, uh, like posed up. He, like, he looks like an action figure that needs to be posed and his hands are up, but he also looks like he is like very uncomfortable in his own skin. And it, um, I was looking, yeah. waiting for him to start jumping in the air and like off. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Somebody who doesn't know how to control the air yeah, avatar yeah. in a game. Yeah. Right. I was expecting him to run to the wall and just constantly have his arms moving back and forth. <laughs> like, just like, you know, like a first person shooter. Am I doing good? Like, yeah. I'm Am like, I, doing I, good? I don't know. You're jumping a lot. You how many mans do I have? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, so he just beats feet and gets the hell out of there, just leaves. And and so uh, Lockridge chases them through the hangar. They end up on like the scaffolding or whatever. And uh, Heilman or whatever it is, is looking up at the stars. And we get this thing where, you know, he's like, release, release Heilman and like, and, and, and Brady Simmons, like, let him, let him out. And, and Heilman's like, we're not prisoners. Like he's trying to present like, like now that we're part of this thing, we want to be, but the way they say it, it still doesn't sound like free will, you know, but he's like, you know, he's it like, sounds like not, Stockholm syndrome. Well, but not even that. It's, it's almost like, um, since this thing, whatever it is can absorb, 
personalities that can speak through the lens of their personality and be like, we're not prisoners. However, we want to be here because like there's a thirst here to know, to know more. And that, that but the, the credit to whatever the hell this thing is that it offers its hand to be like, do you want to know the universe? Join us, which is the only time this thing actually gives anybody a choice. And Lockridge is like, ah, you know what? I'm good. Like, and he's like, but you know, you could know the universe, the secrets of everything. He's like, I, I can't do it. And then he was like, but why did you come down here? And, and, and he was like, Heilman's like, was just curious, I guess, or whatever he says. And he just becomes like, um, I don't know, Fushigi or whatever. And just turns into this blue ball and just leaves, you know, and just disappears into the distance. Uh, he becomes, he becomes the ghost writer from ghost writer, the PBS series about the ghost that helps the kids solve crimes. I don't know if you know, if you've ever seen Ghost Rider, never no. mind. It was a, anyway. Ghost Rider? Writer, yeah. W-R-I-T-E-R. Anyway, it, become, it becomes a, a blue orb and just goes off into, into infinity. Um, and so, and then that's it. Like, and then we get some narration of, of Lockridge looking up to the, you know, to the cosmos. And we get some narration of like, you know, you know, you have one being that is like, they said, what was it like? Um, the, the chorus of a thousand voices or something to that effect. And then it's like, and then you have one man that, you know, can't possibly, like that, that can't possibly know, but didn't make that choice or whatever in the twilight zone. It's like that maybe, maybe this would have been an interesting ending if we would have gotten to know anything about Lockridge whatsoever. We don't know one thing about him other than he's a NASA scientist and has an affinity for talking to explosive devices. That's all we know about him. There's no character at all in the story. It's just all, wouldn't it be weird if there's no, there's no human, um, there, there's, there's no skin in the game from a character standpoint in this piece. Yeah, I get that. I, I mean, we don't give enough screen time to Lockridge to figure out who he is and why, what his motives even could be to want to be on that journey. Like, yeah. like, is it interesting? No, I don't know. I mean, it's like kick the can. Um, you get the one character who at the final, well, we're talking about the, the, the movie adaptation. That is, you get the one character towards the end. Who's like pleading with the kid as he's jumping out the window. Like, please take me with you, please. Yeah. All, we, all, all he was a sourpuss. We didn't realize that like he actually had, another gear in him. Right. Know? But and, the, we yeah. see like that character development more of just being like, well, you know, life sucks. And then he sees the fruit of life still. And it's like, this doesn't feel that close to that. But even that, like Lockridge knew that he would, he would be taken in a way that like, it would be fascinating, but he was, he was not going to lose his, his, his sense of self. Right. And it's like, I get that, but there, like there was nothing in this to give, to give us, that pause that he may or may not make that decision. You know, it just, it was just there. It was over and done. It was out. Um, you know, I, I, as much as I know, we talked about a uh, wordplay, which is the first segment of this episode of, of episode two. And I know you said you didn't care for it very much. And I think that there was some, some legs there. I'm not saying that there's moments here of interest. I really didn't like the segment. Like, cause it's just like, it just, the 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 whatever the being is it the rules don't make sense like even in the limited time i'm not saying explain everything for me but it's like okay so it it jumped into a camera it didn't like it, the the way that the thing would kind of spatially work didn't make sense um the way it operates just whatever it was like i just don't like that 
Um, you didn't get any character beats from anybody. They were all just like play, like uh, they were placeholders just to move the story, the story forward, which I understand sometimes you can get away with that where it's like, it isn't about the characters. It's about um, like, wouldn't it be weird if, but great. I, I just, there, there was nothing here other than, I guess I was just curious. And it's like, you didn't even get like, there wasn't even like, um, like uh, you mentioned uh um, like Gort from, you know, um, Day of the Earth Earth still. Still. there was not even like a morality test here, you know, like there was no like, well, you guys have proven worthy because of your curiosity and like, I'll see you later, swirly away, you know, whatever. Like there was just like, I want to take the greatest minds with me. And I knew that this was the place to get <laughs> yeah, them. And then this, this, the, this, uh, jackass that's in a spaceship. He's my first guy, Brady, come on up. You t- you like you, some, <laughs> that would have been actually, that would have been an interesting twist there that it's like some kind of space arc and it's like we're going to try to take the smartest minds of the universe yeah. on this journey to like you know you know make life better on this planet or in this yeah, galaxy something, right like yeah. like you guys have proven it's it's like the star trek first contact thing it's like you've proven that you actually can you are starting to exist in this greater community uh, now we're making contact and now we want to move forward. You know, like I think, I think there's something here and you could have added a little bit more polish and structure to it. Um, I, I put this um, right at the, 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 the feet of, uh, of James Crocker. Cause again, he was also a producer on the show. So I'm sure he was able to get something greenlit. Um, I just didn't like this. Like I, which is unfortunate because like, you know, the idea of seeing that bomb show up, that's, that's a scary thought, right? But there's really no context with any of this. It's just kind of just boom, 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 and we're done. I don't know how this 20-minute story tells less of a story than the 10-minute one we just talked about last week. And that's the incredible thing about storytelling. It's just like sometimes you get something in the right hands, and it works well because they know how to develop a story as quickly as possible and get you where you need to be. And sometimes it, it, it takes longer to do that and... You know, and sometimes it also muds it up. Yeah, and this is just—it's just kind of there. It's not the worst thing I've seen. I just didn't like it. You know, and and that's fair. And I—I was firmly at the. It was okay. You know, as I was explaining it to my wife, it's like I—I don't necessarily think that you need to see this, babe. But it was okay. You know, and I gave her the cliff notes, and she's like, "Eh, sounds like it was okay." (laughs) Again, like you know, if you're a completionist like we are. Everything's worthy of a first of one watch. Yeah, right? for, Everything. for sure, for sure. Um, like I, I enjoyed watching it, and I saw a lot of different things that were interesting about it. And you know, the music cues are great. Um, it was nice to see these uh, these actors in it. Uh, you know, if you if like if you like Lin Shay, if you like uh, Terry O'Quinn, yeah. Terry O'Quinn, if you want to see John Aston do something that's not cop related. <laughs> um, then watch this because it's it's really interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there's meat here. This, this feels like to me that if you would have written this as a short story and had exactly everything happen the way it did, there there's a little bit like I think a short story that you read on the page can have more open endedness. Like, oh well, there was something like what was going on with this, but I feel like because if I'm like. I don't know why it feels like with television, you need to give me something. Like if, if it was, it was, if it was a film, right. Where it's like, like it's up to you to, it's, you got to challenge yourself with some of these thoughts. Yeah. I could see some of that. Like, um, like recently on the other show that I do invasion, the podcast, I, um, talked about the Amazon prime film. Um, they, they release it on Amazon prime called vast of night, which is, it's a film that is leaning heavily into a, a twilight zone influence. Um, and, 
there's a lot to chew on there. I came away a little cold because I'm like, you didn't give me enough. But I think that me coming to that as a film puts me in a different headset, like to go in to be like, okay, you have more space to kind of explore where you want to go with things. Uh, and, and then if you leave a little bit open-ended, you know, your mileage may vary. I'm okay with that. But I feel like TV, I'm not saying that this is the comfort food versus like the meals that are like film, because I think that with the twilight zone and everything else we've covered, um, you can have a feast in 20 minutes, right? Yeah. But at least give me a reason to be there. And I don't know if I got that with this, you know, like this isn't even like a snack. It's more like somebody's cooking something in the room that might smell nice. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't have it yet. I'm like, but why I'm just sitting in here like just later we'll get maybe, you know, they let you look at it and you're like, ha. And you're like, you're like, Hey, did you want this wonderful steak? I'm like, yeah, here's pizza. I'm like, well, pizza's okay, but you promised me steak. You know, (laughs) like just totally teasing you the entire time. Yeah. No, it's, it is what it is, and I, I think that it definitely is to open to interpretation and open to you know other people's enjoyment. It's like I wouldn't steer anybody away from this. It's just it. I thought it was okay. I mean, considering okay, this this is this is the end of episode two of the '80s Twilight Zone. So you had three stories. We had wordplay, dreams for sale, and this. You know, like uh, okay, great. Like again, if I was watching this broadcast. It's like, oh, I got a, I got an hour of Twilight Zone. I got three stories. You know, don't think too hard about it. Like, what's coming next week? Right? Would you have changed the order and the way that these would have been presented? Because um, I know that we've talked about that in uh, um, anthology films sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Because I think that, um, you know, because I, I, I feel like this would have kind of like maybe um, turned people off to what was coming after. Uh, because I feel like the first two segments, and not intentionally so, because we found out by listening to the commentary tracks of uh, of the, the DVDs I have, that the, the 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 placement of the segments per episode weren't planned. It was more based upon time, and for the majority of what they did, they all kind of worked worked out in terms of running time. Right. So this the intention was never to have wordplay and the dreams for sale and chameleon. They were just segments that were made and they're like, okay, well that's an episode that's moving out. Um, but I do feel like I think wordplay and dreams for sale actually have the thematic thing of at least we have a main character to anchor to where the world is changing around them in ways they don't understand. We like, and I'm not saying that the chameleon, the segment had to have that, but it feels kind of weird that it's like, this is the outlier of the of the three, right? Because it, and again, the Twilight Zone can be whatever it wants to be. We've seen plenty of examples of where it goes in different directions um, for great and for bad. And I appreciate every direction it goes because this, this idea as a series shouldn't be limited to, you know, spooky or whatever. Like it can be, you know, it can be, um, you know, um, like the Jeopardy room, which is, an episode that wasn't the best, but it was grounded in reality, right? Or it could be something like, um, oh, The Fear, which is a really stupid episode where you have a cop car with thumbprints on the side. You know, you can have all that. It will work to varying degrees, and I'm okay with that with this too. It's just, man, like I think that um, we could have had, if we would have had a little bit more focus on Lockridge, because I think he's supposed to be the heart of this episode, or the segment, about like, you know, like what he understands is now changing around him and he has to make a decision. I think thematically that would have tied into the other two segments a lot better. Like, and I'm saying a lot of words, 
a lot of dinosaur, a lot of um, <laughs> a lot of fast and, fast and stepdads or <laughs> whatever. But that's my thought. I don't know if that makes sense. No, I, I mean it does in its own way. I mm-hmm. just feel like as a viewer, if I were to have been watching this episode in the order, I would have been a little bit, I guess, disappointed by this being the last story. Because yes, I, I would have like if if we had dreams for sale be the last story, I've been like. All right, so we had like kind of a weird roller coaster here of stories, and and I think that's what's really interesting about um, some anthology films. Sometimes you have some uh, not so good stories mixed into the great stories, and like I mean, like when I say uh, some anthology films, I mean like something like Tales from the Dark Side. That's an incredible film. It has some great stories. And it kind of takes you on a roller coaster within those yeah. stories. I also feel like Dreams for Sale, like the, if, if this was like closer to the mid-break of the episode and if people were getting up to grab a snack or go to the bathroom, that because it's 10 minutes, they'd be coming back and be like, oh, okay, I don't know what's going on, but let me, let me settle in for the next one. Maybe that was kind of what was baked in. I don't know because this was broadcast, so you can't always guarantee. Like You and I grew up in a generation, I think we might have been part of the last generation of like, you understand there's commercials. You have 90 seconds to two minutes. Take a piss and get <laughs> and get your bowl of cereal and come back. We're going to watch this, right? Yeah. Like, it's back on, it's back on. Like, we don't have that anymore, other than maybe like sporting events and things, right? Like, um, but we don't have that. Like, and there are people, I mean, there are shows that are on broadcast television now, but there's always like, you, you have the, the ability to catch what you would have missed, right? right? This we didn't, right? So who knows? But anyway. Uh, any other notes about this? I got just a little bit from the commentary on this. Um, uh, the only uh, the only other two notes that I brought here is uh, uh, the opening scene is actually of NASA's uh, f- footage shot in in outer space. NASA uh, was uh, reluctant to allow mm-hmm. the use of this footage and NASA logo after they read the script. Concerned that a story about NASA astronauts bringing a dangerous alien back to Earth would be bad publicity but eventually uh, they they let it go so yeah so one of the people in the production um they they thought they had this lockdown and i and it was um a young lady i forget her name i do apologize that and so whatever nasa was like nah we're not going to do that she went to uh uh phil phil daguerre and um and jim crocker and was like they're not letting me do this. They're not letting us do this. And it was like right into the, like the, as production was starting and she was like in tears and it feels like call that guy, you know, in NASA and tell her that your job's on the line. <laughs> so she called and was like, <laughs> I'm going to get fired if we can't do this. And she was like crying and they're like, she comes back. They're like, yeah, they're going to let us use it. <laughs> it's one of those things. It's like, that's, that's one of those moves where it's like, she's like very upset, rightfully so because she was like said one thing and like, I don't know what she was doing in regards to the production, but that's a pretty big get to get like NASA footage, right? And then to be like, no, 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 just cry and tell them you're going to lose your job. That's an amazing, that's that's a slick move. That's it, a pressure move. I yeah, love it. It's great. I um, mean, there's plenty of movies that yeah. have had those kinds of productions problems. I forget what movie it was, but they, they wanted to try to film in some state building or something like that. It might have even been... Uh, the House of Representatives, and they wouldn't allow it, so they just did all the outside footage. And then every time that like a cop would come near, they just like jumped in a car and drove off. Oh, I, like and, and, um, it was. I know for one movie, it was North by Northwest. It was the UN. They weren't allowed to shoot in it, and so Hitchcock, like they did like some matte paintings and things. And then maybe they, it was that yeah, that you, yeah, your guys, yeah, yeah, because because uh, at one point they had all oh shit, who was the lead in that? Like um, uh, Cary Grant, yeah. 
uh, they had him walking over to the UN, but like the, the cameraman was like in a car huddled down, like, and like just hiding. Cause they're like, you can't, cause like they didn't have a permit. It was like, they did everything they could to shoot outside because they weren't allowed to. And then the UN, when they found this, they were pissed. It's like, well, whatever. Anyway. So I get that. Right. So another thing I want to note here is that it was just funny. Cause like Craven, he really didn't say a whole lot about directing here other than he, he said the set was really, really hot. And it was like, like a combined space. So he remembered being uncomfortable and he was like, Oh, and he was like, Jim, he's like, he gave me a good story. And he didn't really talk much about it. I'm like, yeah, I know you're being polite Wes, but, um, the thing I want to point out just because kind of the history of how things happen, Phil DeGuerre, who was the producer on the show, the, the executive producer and Wes Craven actually had an agent in common. And because of that, that's why they were brought together for this. So I thought that was great that like, um, cause the, I guess the agent, um, with Phil went to go see last house on the left and his agent was like, yeah, it could have went further. <laughs> and, but he liked Wes Craven and like, they brought him together. <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> and like, so it's because it's like, I don't know. I think it's one of those things. It's like, that's just kind of the way the world works where they knew each other because of a mutual agent. And I thought that was kind of, an, like, and they talked about this agent at length. Um, cause at one point, uh, Wes had, he left and got different representation. And shortly thereafter that agent passed away and Phil came up to him at the funeral and was like, Hey Wes, you leave a must, you know, this is must what did it to him. Like basically being like you killed him. Like they were just joking. Cause that was the kind of the way it was. But I like the idea. It's like, you know, some of these things that come to pass seem like they just kind of like just, um, just exist like in the ether, but it takes like these small happenstances, these small, like, you know, meetups and, and, um, like, I think that's great. I think it just shows that like, Oh, we didn't get the, like if, if Wes wasn't represented by the same agent, maybe we didn't get these guys working together, you know? And I think that's kind of a cool, cool thing. So that was the only really thing of noteworthy from the commentary that I got from, from this episode. I'm glad that there is a commentary on there. That's really cool. And I'm, I'm leaving it to you, sir. Cause yeah. I want, I want to be surprised by this stuff. Well, they also talked about how at the time, the big thing was to have all the sets smoky. Cause you got like that nice light where you see the, like the, the light cut through the mm. smoke. And they said that there was a lot of times where, cause if you look in the, in the lab, like inside, not the actual observation room, that thing is just covered in smoke. And they talked about how it was hard to find that right moment because when you start pumping the smoke in, it like it just fills the set. But if you wait too long, it's not there. So they had to have these very specific times to get that very distinct look. So they called up John Carpenter. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. So, but if you look at this, like I mean, this I think this is shot on video, and it's like you know, again, it's the '80s. We're gonna deal with a lot of this, uh, but it does have a very distinct look that you even find this kind of styling into like the, the X files where mm -hmm. it's like dark rooms, smoke filled interiors, very uh, drastic and dramatic lighting that is that you can easily see cut through because smoke does a great job. Like um, you mentioned Carpenter. I'll, I'll say one thing further, like the beginning of um, aliens, wherever they go into the rescue pod, all the smoke in there and you get the weird like laser stuff. Like it just yeah, works. That's great. Right? Like, so um, you can't, you shouldn't really do that cause you shouldn't have sets as full of smoke, but Hey, you know, we're not making these things now. We're just talking about them. So, I mean, um, my office is currently full of smoke cause I'm vaping. So I'm kidding. I'm not doing any of that. Um, I got a hookah running while Terry and I record. That's not true either. So, all right. That's yeah. That, so I guess, I guess that's going to do it for the discussion. I guess we got to rate that twist wherever that is. I, I don't even know with this. Like the, the twist is this episode is called Chameleon and it changed shapes and then left. 
like, where, where, where is the twist for you in this? You tell me, and then I will rate it that way. So the twist is twist rating everybody. Let you remind everybody, uh, it's one through five, one meaning saw it coming from a mile away and five being like, Oh my God, my mind's blown. It's not, it's not a rating of the episode, but of like the story was supposed to take us somewhere. So Terry, where do you think the twist is? Well, you've already baited me. So like being chameleon, (laughs) Uh, and you know we had the alien thing. It, they, I mean, with it being space too, it's like you saw the space thing. You see the the weird light. It's called chameleon. I'm gonna have to rate this a one. It's I agree. Like one. it just it was kind of right there. You know, bloop. That's it. You know, uh, there was it, no dramatic outcome to all of this either. It's like I don't know. It just didn't feel like that they went far enough. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, there was nothing, no surprise, really. You didn't even get into the trope of like whenever like Heilman came into the room, like that the thing didn't turn into Heilman himself and be like, oh, who's the real one? Like they didn't even do any of that. <laughs> Doing the Spider-Man yeah, yeah, meme. The Spider-Man, boop, you know, anyway, so. It was him. It was him. It was, it was, it was, him. Him. It was him. It was him. It was all of him. Um, or like two cameras pointing at each other. I'm kidding. That's no. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, multiple lynches. Uh, so, Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Um, that's that's going to do it for the discussion about Chameleon. That's going to do it for our discussion about episode two. We have now two full episodes of the Twilight Zone in. It so only t- took us five, five of weeks. our own it episodes. Took us five weeks. I, but I hope you guys appreciate that I, we're taking a measured approach because there's not much of this out there, right? And then eventually um, the road's going to narrow and it's going to become just individual stories per episode. But... Like, look, like, I think that they're worthy of discussion. I hope you guys are enjoying it. So you guys can find us on uh, uh, Facebook, Strange Highways, posting images there. There's going to be a gif of um, uh, of Lynn Shake suddenly appearing. It's one of the dumber things I've seen in a while, so I cannot wait to share that with you. Uh, you guys can email us directly at strangehighwayspodcast at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts, feelings about the 80s series of The Twilight Zone. Let us know other things that we should cover. Like, um, we're not beholden to this, but this is all going to be our path for a while and we're enjoying this but we're open to other things as well so let us know and um you know wherever you find your podcast rate and review us it'd be greatly appreciated and if you enjoy this conversation let other people know uh the more the merrier because like it, we get to experience this and i understand that this is a challenge because this this media is not digital but i hope we do a good enough job of representing our thoughts and feelings about the episode but if you like twilight zone and alterations let other people know um it's it's just it's just a lot of fun and again the more the merrier so terry how can people find us otherwise well i will say that if you are the other people because you know we didn't have listeners in the beginning here and (laughs) you came to and you found us and you were the other people so thank that person for inviting you into listening to our podcast so thank them share that knowledge with other people maybe go to instagram we're on instagram and follow us on there uh like some of our uh pictures because you know it's fun. That's what Instagram is, right? I think. I mean, to my knowledge, that's what it is. You can't. You can't dislike it. You can only like it. Ha! <laughs> ah, get them. Uh, <laughs> like, like, to my understanding, the Instagram is kind of like MySpace just for photos. I'm kidding. I know that's way different. You can like and share them. That's it. You yep. can't do anything else with them. Yep. Um, and and so and like Paul said, like the podcast. Like you can go to Spotify and give us a. A rating on there. Yeah, I promise that we will not give you any um, like science misinformation about anything because I know Spotify mm-hmm. is uh, coming under fire because of uh, other things. But I promise you, we will not. We, yeah, we don't we align align ourselves with other people's political views or anything. 
like I like I like the idea that we're going to piggyback on the Joe Rogan podcast. Like like yeah, you know that that stuff's popular, but you know whatever. Well, that's a big discussion for itself. But yeah, so please go over there and check us out. Give us a like. Somehow I trust the science of chameleon. <laughs> way better the science fiction of chameleon better than what's being talked about i'm like sure a dude could turn into a camera you don't know like <laughs> <laughs> i haven't seen the information that disproves it yeah right uh, but, yeah i mean i've never seen not that happen anyway continue yeah, yeah but uh yeah thank you guys for listening we really appreciate it and uh again this is a this is our baby uh we don't you know we don't have promoters on here we don't we don't sell you crap i mean we will if you guys want us to sell if you guys if, if anybody out there wants us to sell shit let us know we are whores and we're open for business it's yeah. fine but we appreciate um, the yeah. love and thank you so much for being here yeah sorry right, that's gonna do it for us this week next week uh let's just get into what we're talking about next and now mr surly so we're taking a week off so i lied to you guys so we're taking a week off liar so because you're uh, selling us a week yeah, off yeah so no no here i i encourage everybody i know we've talked about this before it's just something this that it's just something it's just something that i do i'm sorry, sorry terry what i said disinformation disinformation no no um it, it, like so um though we're gonna take a week off because it's it's super bowl week um uh, coming up and um not the super bowl like whatever it is what it is uh but like i just what i what i like to do is the past couple of years what i've been doing is i like to just have a, a day full of watching just shitty 80s action movies and i love them and i bring all my friends over we have a good time um you know those that are you know vaccinated and safe we have a great time we have food we have drinks whatever i encourage all of you in the week between um our, our week off here because um, we're going to get back to the zone in a second just watch some crazy action movies on the, uh, the yeah. 80s action movies. Yeah, get yourself some dental dam and I don't know. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, what? No, no, no. Just watch, yourself a good time. Just watch, uh, watch uh, Commando, watch uh, Invasion USA, whatever. And then, then what will happen is the week after, <laughs> we're going to be coming back with uh, season one, episode three, uh, the first part of episode three called A Healer. Everybody have a good week. Have a safe week. Um, don't sit on any cameras because they might turn you into people. I don't. That's not right. I don't understand. Um, if you see Lynn Shay, be happy to see her, but don't let her out because she might be up to no good. Uh, say yes to the journey. Don't make me wonder what planet you're from. Only my mother knows for sure.